Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with Ugachi Owo, CEO of Flindell. Welcome, Ugachi. Hi, it's good to meet you. Yeah. Well, you're not just meeting me. We met last week. <laughs> and boy, did you make an impression on me. So Ugachi is not your typical guest. Most of our guests are, you know, professional services, business development people, rainmakers. But Ugachi is an entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur who's, what are you, three years into this business, Ugachi? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So first, I want to I want you to talk a little bit about your startup, and then I'm going to talk about why we're featuring you on Rainmakers. So if you could tell us what it is that uh, Flindell does. For sure. Um, Flindell, we're a prop tech startup focused on automating commerce returns. Basically, what that means is that we make it possible for you to return anything from any store, whether it's a brick, uh, brick and mortar store like a Walmart or Target or an online store hosted by Shopify right from your home of charge and get your money back within 24 hours all right it's something i definitely want here where i live so <laughs> hopefully i'll be on your short list so what <laughs> so the reason agachi is on here is we met last wednesday and to be honest with you i i had i had a phone call with her put on my calendar i didn't really know how it got on my calendar agachi and I'm coming back from a lunch late. I've got too many things scheduled as usual. And and so I'm like, yeah, I'll just call in and I'll do an audio Zoom call. And and you came prepared. I mean, you 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 made an impression and you had me hurrying back to my, my computer screen to get online with you to see who this person was who was impressing me on the phone. So Igachi comes off very impressive, obviously knows what she wants to get done knows who she wants to get it done with and then you don't take no for an answer so you started talking to me about people from you know, uber and facebook that you had um involved with your company and i hope you'll share with us about how you go about getting these these prominent people involved with your company for sure um i i think like for every entrepreneur or even human like you just shouldn't be scared to reach out to people um because you never know like everyone's looking to share their stories and everyone's open to talk assuming that you're human and you're normal and you're not a transactional person so for me um growing up you know my family was really really big on developing friendships versus you know developing these like odd transactional you do this for me and i expect something in return uh, type of thing. And when I was building uh, Flindle, like in the very, very, very beginning, when it was just like a little bitty, itty idea, um, I, I wrote down the skills that I um, like were going to, I was going to develop along the journey, but I didn't exactly have in the capacity that I wanted to have at that time. And I wrote down the different companies that I'd like want those people to come from. So for example, with logistics, I'd written down Uber with, um, you know, like marketing and e-com space, I'd written down Facebook and so on and so forth. So I, I really just reached out to these people and kind of like pinged them until they responded. <laughs> and um, they did. And then we chatted and it worked. But I think like a really big thing is that a lot of people now are generally just hesitant about like just reaching out to people because you never know everyone's door is open and you never know until you actually knock and try i mean there hasn't been a situation where i've asked somebody to you know whether it's to have a coffee or to just like chat to learn about their experiences that i've been turned down 
um, to learn about someone else's experience. So I, I think it's, it's helpful for people to just be super shameless in the way that they approach people. All right, but I, I got to get you to talk about some of your shamelessness because I, I, your average entrepreneur, I don't think, would do this. They send an email. The email doesn't get replied to. You say, oh, well, he must not be interested or she must, must not be interested. And then you go, you move on, right? Is that what you do? No, nah, heck no. Heck no. I will, I will email you again um, if, <laughs> if you didn't respond. Because like even with me now, um, as the company's grown uh, to this like point, you know, if someone emails me, I, I might see it in my inbox, but then by the time, you know, the whole day has happened, I just forget about it. And if you email me again, I'll for sure see it again and I'll feel bad and then I'll respond. Or if it happens a third time, I'll feel bad and I'll do the call. So like having that understanding and understanding that, um, you know, like in the beginning of my startup journey, I... Yeah, I, I used to take a lot of things personally. So meaning because like I'm young, I'm in my 20s. And then at that time, I was even younger. And I, uh, I I take everything personally, because I think like, oh, man, this was because they think I'm like, you know, uncool, or I'm lame, or I'm this or I'm that. But really, the person might just miss their email. And they might just be busy. And there's no harm in asking again, or saying like, hey, I sent you this note. 10 times, what do you think? Um, and, you know, as long as you're not being annoying, um, I, I was never annoying with it, but I was pretty persistent. So if I wanted someone and they were on my hit list, um, not uh, like not that kind of hit list, but to target and to hopefully be able to spend some time with, um, I would be really persistent around it because, you know, again, you have to, there's a, a place in the Bible that talks about like ask and you'll receive, but it literally says, keep asking. And then you'll receive because if somebody is coming to your house and then they knock on the door and say, hey, you're like, hey, can, you, can I borrow a cup of sugar at like two o'clock in the morning? You're not going to answer the door. But then if they keep knocking, you'll just you'll open the door and be like, dude, what do you want? Like, how do I make you go away? <laughs> and um, it just kind of goes on from there. So that's what I just was really big on was just, you know, like if I really, really wanted to get to know someone, I would make sure that at least. Um, I had the opportunity to be turned down versus it never, there's never being a circle back. What, what are some of the things you might say to get that meeting as you get to the third email? Um, just like, I, it, it depends because for me, it never really got to a scenario of super, super, super like persistence isn't getting to like the 10th email. But if it got to the third email and I didn't get a single response, I mean, I might send it at different points in the day because, I mean, there's periods like I know, like on Mondays, for example, my inbox gets crazy and people email me all of these random weird things. And then the real emails that are there may just get lost in the inbound. Mm -hmm. So I might email them on a Saturday. I might email them on a Sunday because who's going to email you on Sunday? No one. Uh, or I might email them. I get up really, really early in the morning. So I might email them in the morning so that it's like what they see in their inbox because I've also noticed that other people get up um, around, not the same time because I get up around three, but they other people get up around like six or so. So they will see it. And also just not being, uh, not writing an essay, I find it was helpful. So for me, um, with myself now, if someone writes me like their whole life story, I probably read like the first two, three sentences to see what they're saying. And then if nothing has been made, then I might just say, okay, I'm going to catalog this in my brain for later. And then I'll respond back like weeks or months later. Um, for me, like I, I usually keep my emails down to like five or four or three sentences. 
so that when I do the follow-up, it's easy for you to skim through the email and understand exactly what um, this person is reaching out for. Um, so it's it's not like the life story of like, yeah, so I was born and raised in Houston and then this happened and that happened, all leading, yep. down, all leading me down the road to talking to you. No, it's just <laughs> <being> succinct. <laughs> well, I know you do wake up at 3 a.m. I tested it the day after I met you. I texted you at 3.30 <laughs> and you texted me right back. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So look, you didn't tell me this, but somebody else you talked to told me that that your upbringing played a big part in who you are today and how you do things. Sure. And so, how were you challenged growing up? And t- tell me a little bit. I know nothing about your upbringing, um, <laughs> except that you. I think you said you your family is originally from Nigeria, and then you moved to Canada, uh, and I, I, I then you moved to Houston. But other than that, I don't know anything about what you learned. But I know you must sure. have learned something, right? So tell me. For sure. Uh, I was born and raised in Houston in a town called Sherland. I did live in Canada for a couple of years in Toronto um, before coming back to Texas. But uh, growing up, my dad was um, pretty senior at Shell. So he did all of like their HR for Shell Nigeria. And my mom uh, was a pharmacist. And, you know, they had a really, really strong work ethic because they came from literally nothing. Um, so for them, they had like strong drive that enabled them to be able to live the lives that they live today. And when raising us, you know, I have four younger siblings, so we're like a family of seven in total, but five kids in total. And I'm the oldest and raising all of us. Uh, my parents were really, really, really big on creating something for yourself. So meaning my dad would say like, if we've given you a silver spoon, you need to turn it into gold. Like this, you guys, this house, all of this, this is my dream. You are living my dream by virtue of being my kids, but you need to create your own path and find your own selves. So as a kid, my dad would drag me to his meetings and I hated it because what nine-year-old wants to sit with a bunch of frumpy adults and take notes. <laughs> and um, it taught me a lot because I got to see him like negotiate in real life and see kind of like that and be exposed to that business world from a really early age. Uh, but then, like, growing up, the way that my parents ran our family was very similar, very unconventional and super, um, I'm probably going to replicate this in the future when I have kids, but my my family, my dad would, like, hold annual New Year's meetings. So my mom and my dad, every New Year's, as long as I can remember, on, you know, January 1st, after the Happy New Year's, like, in the evening, we'd all have to get together and put down our plans and our goals, like our resolutions for the year. But the difference between my family and what other families did is that my dad would hold quarterly quarterly meetings to see how far we were with our goals. So if your goal, for example, was to um, get like, I don't know, straight A's, but he'd be be specific, he'd say be specific, you'd have to say what percentage you want to get. And then, you know, quarter one comes, what are your grades like? Oh, it's not there. Why aren't they there? Um, how are we going to be better for next quarter? So that's how my dad would run uh, the uh, family. And my mom would make us sign like contracts, you know, around getting things. So for example, if uh, we wanted to get like a new laptop or a new TV or anything, we're never really denied of any opportunities. Um, growing up because our parents exposed us to so much, but they make us pitch. Like we'd have to put together like a presentation around why we want this laptop or why we want this like new phone or BlackBerry at the time or, you know, and they, we'd have to sign a thing that's like, I'm gonna clean my room, I'm gonna do this, and my grades aren't gonna suck um, <laughs> in order to be able to sustain that. So growing up, I did not get it, but as I got older, I, I did understand you know, why they did that. I'm super, super thankful for it and thankful for the exposure at such a young age because it led me to being super disciplined with the way that I live my life. 
Um, and uh, from getting up in the morning, uh, people think that I just randomly happened to get up at three, but really my mom woke us up at five every single morning um, growing up. So um, to be able to have family devotions and to just kind of spend some time together before school and everything and touch base. So our, our family and the upbringing that I had and the exposure that I had from an early age definitely did help to um, instill in me uh, a confidence that I find is missing in a lot of entrepreneurs because you have to be confident about yourself and about your business and knowing who you are, but then also um, helps to um, it helped to put life in perspective for me at an early age. So for me, growing up, having been exposed to those environments, I know that I, I don't get intimidated by people like ever. Um, and then I also know that um, like, even if things seem sticky or like they're not gonna work out, I remember my parents' story and how they literally came from nothing and they knew what it took to be able to have that determination in life that says, I'm gonna get out of the situation. I'm gonna do better for myself. I'm gonna do better for my like future generation and everything and for me, they did all of those things to be able to give me the opportunities and access and everything that I have at this particular point in my life. So why not, you know, why not be greater? <laughs> so well, that's you, kind of how I see it. Yeah. You exude confidence. And I knew from the moment I heard you and then I saw you that you would be successful. And I, I spotted you. you, you know, I, and you never know, is it, is it this particular startup? I hope. But if not this, I know you'll have something, right? Like you, you are somebody that's on my list of, of rising stars. And I, and I want to be, you know, not only do I want to be your friend, I, I want to be in business with you. I want to be associated with you because I, I know you're going places. And so that's exciting. And I don't say that about everybody I meet. I meet thousands of people, right? And, and sure. I can't, you know, so it's funny that you tell me those stories about your upbringing. I wasn't quite as regimented as your dad. Um, and maybe I've slacked off as, as I've gotten, I have five <laughs> kids as well, you know, but the first one, when he wanted to buy, he wanted to buy a truck. I, I wasn't really down with the mm -hmm. truck, but, but, but I, he needed to borrow some money to do it. So I wrote out a loan document for him and, and he had to make work and make payments. And he started this at a very young age. He started working at the age of 12 um, at a job, you know? And so, and then, and then he, he, he was a hunter and he wanted to own guns, you know? Well, if you can own guns, there's rules, all right? I was an army officer. So we had a standard operating procedure that was based upon what they do in the military. And I'm sure that stuff drove him crazy, but I look at him today and he um, is somebody who would do those same things and, and more probably with his um, mm -hmm. with his kids. So, look, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And and while yeah. I didn't do five in the morning, <laughs> I didn't do five in the morning devotionals. I did do do my devotionals at dinner time. So, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, 15 minutes has flown by with you for for a young person who maybe doesn't have all of the you know, not everybody comes from a, a two parent family that meets at five for in the sure. morning for but Bible studies, for but sure. you know, say somebody hears this and they say, boy, I, I want what she has. What advice do you have to get, give them, you know, starting from where they are now? Um, what I would tell people is just to believe in yourself. Like literally you just, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in something like you need to be um, confident in what you're doing and confident in your ability because in this industry, especially people will try to, you know, put you down and make, and make you second guess yourself and everything. But if you know who you are and if you have the confidence and belief and faith that everything will ultimately end up working out, even during the sucky moments, like you'll be okay. Um, and, and if you believe in yourself, because confidence is really the key to everything and discipline is also 
really, really important because then you won't be stressed in that email and you won't be um, nervous for that meeting because you know that even if it's not this meeting that'll work out, there's a meeting down the line that'll end up working out. So that's what I would tell people is just be confident and, you know, email people. <laughs> Ugachi Owo, CEO of Lindell, you're an inspiration. Mark her name down. She's going places. Thank you for joining us on Rainmakers. <laughs> if you like what you hear, please subscribe. Please rate us and please share us with your friends. Thank you. You have been listening to Rainmakers with Carl Grant.